0: Uh, I do find it a little ironic today that uh, I'm preaching a passage in the Sermon on the Mount about let your yes be yes and your no be no to the church that I left. Um, so <laughs> whoever scheduled that is kind of messed up. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, and, but if you've got your Bibles, Matthew 5 is where we're going to be. You can begin turning there. And as you're turning there, I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to bless the preaching of his word. Uh, so if you don't mind praying with me, Father... Um, what Christ-exalting worship we've already had, that you are the king above it all, and you really are. And Father, I pray that in these next few moments that you would use your word to do what it does, to conform us into the image of your son, and by the power of your spirit that you would continue to shape us more like Christ and that we would leave this place more like him than when we came in. And, Father, we didn't come here just to have a church attendance checkbox. We came here to meet with the living God. And so would you meet with us now, and would you use your word to pierce our hearts and to make us more holy as you are holy. I pray, Father, that we would depend more on the gospel as we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. We're going to come to the table together. I pray that our dependency upon the gospel is just evident and clear and and full Uh, that we would not rely upon our own merits or good deeds, but we would trust in the work that Christ has accomplished for us on the cross. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you've got your Bibles again, Matthew 5, we're going to start in in 33 through through 37 and and y'all have been in this series on the sermon on the mount and the, the, the whole sermon is really about this holistic righteousness that 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 God that, that Jesus was coming in to kind of redefine a lot of things. If you remember in it as was the day and the custom, the religious leaders of the day had all these rules and regulations and way of life that they were doing and participating in and jesus came in and not only physically flipped tables in the temple but he flipped the tables on all of their ideas of what it looked like to be righteous and so he came in and he's redefining a lot of things and 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 showing how a person is supposed to live act speak love all those things and how it starts from a heart and works its way out instead of just an outward thing with the inward corruption and and so jesus is redefining those things he's he's showing us and in, in the Sermon on the Mount, how he expects the kingdom, citizens of the kingdom to live. Uh, and, and, and he's laying it out there for us to know and to follow. And, and, uh, and specifically today, he's going to show us the significance of our words, that our words matter, uh, our, our vows matter. And, uh, and he's going to show us the importance of those things. And, and, and so this morning, there's going to be three really principles of integrity that, that I want us to, to, to get. And uh, from our words. And, uh, and, and for the people of God, there's three points for today. Our words are, are holy, should be holy. Our, our words should be trustworthy. And uh, so, so in holy, meaning we say everything in the presence of God. And trustworthy, meaning let our yes be our yes, and our no be our no. And then, and then our words are powerful. That, that they're not just flippant. They, they, they have, should have intentionality uh, to them. So keep that in mind as we read the text. So start in verse 33. Let's read. comes from evil. So our first point you're going to see is that our words are holy. Specifically, I want us to understand that everything we say is in the presence of God. And we, we know this to be true. We we know that there's nothing hidden from God. That he sees all, he knows all. Not only does he see all that we do, but he sees all that we think. He he understands all of our motives. He he understands the depths of our own hearts. And so all that we say is we're saying in the very presence of God. Now now Jesus when he's teaching here He's got in mind a few passages from the Old Testament. He's probably thinking about Leviticus 19 or Deut- uh, Deuteronomy 23 which uh give us warnings about breaking oaths that we make in the name of God and 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 and, and yes, uh, absolutely we shouldn't break oaths that we make in, the, in 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 the name of God. When we do that it's sinful, it profanes the name of God. But ultimately I think probably what Jesus has in mind here is the third commandment. In the third commandment, Exodus twenty verse seven says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now there's a lot of confusion about the third commandment. Oftentimes, we just kind of boil it down to maybe simplest terms, where we say, "Well, what does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain?" That means you don't cuss with using God's name. That's a lot of times what we say, or you don't say "OMG," you know, or whatever you would say. You say, "Hey, that's taking the Lord's name." That's what we tell our kids too. It's like, you know, don't say "God," you don't say "Gosh" or whatever, and uh, and, and and so we, we, we encourage them uh, not to take the Lord's name in vain in that way. However, I think it's the meaning of the third commandment and what Jesus is trying to get to uh, goes deeper than that. I mean, certainly using God's name in a cuss cuss word would be flippantly using the name of God and yes, taking the Lord's name in vain. However, I think that's not, I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. I think it goes deeper than that for us. And, and, And I think if we Look at the third commandment. It's more than just the words we say when we're playing golf, right? It's, uh, uh, it, it is, uh, it, it, it is uh, um, what, what is our life? What, what is our life saying? What, 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 what is it all about? And, and, and the things we say and the things that we promise, uh, and, and, and specifically, what do we attribute God's name to? And for you, if you are a believer, everything that we do, we're attributing God's name to. Everything we put our hand to, we're attributing God's name to. Everything we set uh, uh, to, to work on or to do or to, uh, you know, every job that we do, every conversation that we have, every child that we raise, every dollar that we spend, everything we do, we're attributing God's name to because we are his people. That's what it means to be his people. You can't do anything outside of the kingdom of God. Everything we do is attributed to, to him, to his name. And so for us, it's bigger than, I didn't say a word when I got angry, it is with what seriousness do I live my life knowing that everything I do is done in the presence of God, that everything I do, it tags his name onto it, that I don't do anything on my own anymore, that everything I do comes with, oh, this is, this is how the people of God live. And speak, and, and, and work and play. And, and so the, I think that's the, the depths of the third commandment uh, uh, um, to, to, for us. So, so th- that's why it's a sin. That's why Jesus is talking about that it's a sin then to invoke the name of God when we're making an oath uh, because, it, it, you know, uh, again, it's, if we break that oath, we're, we're saying that, you know, God's name is not, uh, trustworthy. We're, we're breaking an oath that we made to God. Now, what the Pharisees would do, they were really crafty individuals. Um, the Pharisees would, um, they, they would work around saying an oath to God, right? So, so they'd say, okay, we're not going to swear to God, but we're going to swear by the temple, or we're going to swear by our own heads, or we're going to swear to Jerusalem, We're going to make an oath to Jerusalem. And and so that's what kind of Jesus is getting to here, because as good Pharisees do, they found a loophole, a workaround, right? And and so what the Pharisees would do specifically is, because if they they made a promise to God, they would have to keep it. So instead of making a promise to God, they say, I swear by the temple, or I swear by my head. And, and, And in so doing, they felt less obligated than to keep their word, because it wasn't according to the name of god it wasn't according to who god is it was instead uh you know, on something else it's something lower than than who god is the temple their own head jerusalem whatever and, and so then they said well if i break it i break it it's not a big deal because i didn't i didn't then swear and make an oath in god's name right and so they they found these work workarounds uh from um to being able to say these oaths to the the people of God. Now, here's what Jesus, I think, is specifically warning his people against. He's saying that Christians should live their lives as a people who do all things under the uh, view of God, right? Understanding that everything that we do represents a holy God. Everything that we say represents our holy God. So so when he's saying to you, don't make an oath, it's, um, you know, he makes providence there's there's oaths made in old testament and new testament so the oath is not the sin of itself and we do this to our kids I, you know my son's at the age where he's heard the word i swear uh, you know a lot and so he'll say i swear i didn't do it and and my my natural um tendency uh is to say we don't swear right we we don't we don't we don't do that right and um, But it's deeper than that. It's bigger than that for us because it's not just uh, because there are oaths allowed in the Old Testament and New Testament. But what Jesus is saying here, he's saying the believer shouldn't have to do that. The believer living in the presence of God should uh, all of their word should be their word, should be trustworthy, should be true, should be lived under the presence of the of the holy God. So 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 Jesus is showing us that all of our words are sacred. Now, that changes things, right? That changes things from I didn't say uh, a particular cuss word to take the name, God's name in vain. Now it changes it to all my words are sacred. Therefore, we can turn to other verses like Ephesians 4.29, let nothing come out of our mouth except for that which is wholesome and helpful for building others up. Right? Uh, So our our words then matter and and, and shouldn't be flippant as we'll talk about in, in the third verse. But everything we do is sacred. It's under the banner of the holy God. All things that we set, not, not just our words, but everything we set our life to. We do it in the presence of God. We do it with God's name attached to it. We are his people. We are the ambassadors for Christ. We are the aroma of Christ. Therefore, everywhere we go, everything we do uh, is to be done to Christ. And, and when we don't, uh, we, we are representing Christ in a way that uh, would be dishonoring to him right? Does that make sense? So, so everything we do, we do in the very presence of, of a holy God. And that's why Jesus says, don't make an oath at all, because he's saying that um, everything we do should be done unto God. Everything we do should be done in, in, a, in a way that re- realizes that we do it to a holy God. And the second thing, and kind of in conjunction with this, is for the people of God, our words are trustworthy. They should be trustworthy, uh, again, verse 37 says, Jesus said, let what you say simply be simply yes or no. Uh, anything more than this comes from evil. Another translation just says, let your yes be your yes and your no be no. Uh, essentially, Jesus here is saying uh, um, that we should say what we mean, and we shouldn't say what we don't mean. That That everything that comes out of our mouths should be trustworthy, unlike the wicked Pharisees, right, who were always saying, hey, I'm going to promise this and not do it because I didn't swear it to God, right? They were always looking for loopholes to be evil and wicked. They were whitewashed tombs. They looked look really pristine on the outside, but inwardly they, they were up, they were conniving. They, they, they were uh, backed by they, they were just working around the system to try to advance themselves and, and to seek their own worship. So so here are these whitewashed tombs. They look really pretty on the outside, but inwardly they're corrupt. And, and what Jesus is saying is this should not be how the people of God are. We should not be an appearance of holiness, but inwardly we're something different. We should be fully trustworthy, meaning that, that everything even within us and pouring out of us is, is trustworthy, right, and, 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 and true. And so Jesus uh, uh, is encouraging them not to swear. Now, now again, um, what kind of character would you have to have if you constantly have to say, I swear to God? Uh, does that mean that when you don't swear to God that you can't be trusted? And so what Jesus is saying is saying, hey, you shouldn't even need to to bring God in to tag on and oh to to make everybody believe that you're going to do it. Because you should be the type of people that if you say yes, everybody believes you. And if you say no, that everybody believes you. You you should be that trustworthy. The people of God should be that trustworthy worthy. And uh, in, in all that we do, I, re, I remember, uh, I think I've told uh, you this, those who remember this years ago, uh, one of the greatest hindrances to a family member of mine coming to know Christ is that they had someone they worked with who was a Christian who led Bible studies before every uh, week, uh, each week on shift. He led, led a Bible study, but he was the laziest person that he worked with. And so so his life uh, was, and, and that is a form of, uh, of dishonesty. That is a form of not being trustworthy, uh, meaning that you are are doing something that is contrary to what you say you are. And, and, and this was a huge hindrance to this family member of mine uh, coming, and obviously God is sovereign, but coming to Christ. And he's saying, hey, if that's what Christians are, I don't want any part of that. In the same light, we are to be a people that, through and through, this is who we are. We are trustworthy individuals. Uh, we say yes when we when we mean yes. We say no when we we mean no. Now, a great example of this, you know, um, I'll never forget. You know, when I when I moved back from Thailand, I had like a, I bought like a a cheap car because we didn't have a lot of money. I think I got some really huge Xterra or something, and and uh, and then but but then I moved from our condo into a house and. I wanted a truck. So I got a truck. And uh, those, anybody have a truck? You have a truck? Um, You know, no one wants to raise their hands because they don't want their friends to know they have a truck. (laughs) Right? And that's what I experienced the first time I got a truck. It's like, hey, bud, you got a truck? Will you help me move? Sure. You know, you know here's, here's the thing. Like, here's a great example of this because having a truck and, and all your buddies calling you and saying, "Hey, would you help me with your truck?" It's like I've got a decision to make. I can either be like, "Yeah, bro, I'll help you," and look good on the front end, knowing full well I plan on having plans that day. Whether I do or not, I'm going to make plans that day. And uh, the night before, be like, "Man, I can't help. I'm sorry. This thing come up. I got the sniffles. I don't know." Um, or am I going to be the type of person that my yes is yes and no means no, right? Uh, and if I just don't want to do it, I need to say, I don't want to do it. Uh, now, th- this was, um, if you've gotten a chance to go to the Thailand campus, uh, Bangkok Thailand campus, this is a huge cultural thing in Thailand because I-, I remember it was the most frustrating thing to me when I first got to Thailand because when I first got there, you, you, would-, you would begin to invite people to stop and you're like, yes, man, I met this person. They said they're going to come to our outreach event tonight. I'm I'm excited to see them. I got their number. They're going to be here and no show. And, uh, and over and over again, it's yes, I'm going to be there. Yes, I'm going to be there. Yes, I'm going to be there. And they have no intentions on being there at all. Because one cultural thing in Thailand is they want to save face. So they think it's more offensive to tell you no on the front end than to, to not show up. And I had to explain to all my Thai friends, listen, it is far more offensive to me for you to say you're going to do something and I do it than just to tell me straight up you're not going to do it, right? This is true for us, too. Though it's a very heavy Thai culture thing, I think it's for us, too. It's so easy for us to be like, yes to everything and really not intending to do it or really not wanting to do it. Uh, You know, uh, probably a good practice for us would be to pump the brakes before we make commitments and say, hey, Let me get back to you on that, on whether I can or cannot do that or not, right? And so you can have, because all of us on the spot be like, yeah, bro, I'll help you. Yeah, sure, you know, because we don't want to be like a jerk, right? And uh, instead of being like, hey, I'll get back to you on that. In in that practice, letting our yes be yes and our no be no, being trustworthy. Uh, You know, some of the the greatest men I admire are those, now, at first I might like, well, that's kind of rude, but... Ultimately, I'd rather them tell me, no, I can't do that than, than to leave me hanging on the day I need someone to help me move, right? Or whatever it is, right? And so, so someone that is trustworthy, their yes is yes and their no means no is, 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 is a big deal, you know? And, uh, and, and so uh, uh, our words must continuously, be, our, our words, our life uh, must continuously be trustworthy. Uh, and, and that's what Jesus is speaking here. He's saying that the kingdom of God is like this. You can trust us. We, we do what we say we're going to do. That, that, that right there is a huge pet peeve of mine. And, and you'd be surprised of how often, in, even in ministry, that pastors will, will say they're going to do something and not do it. And, and, and so often, uh, you know, you have people like Kyle, uh, um, you know, different ministers in our church that they do what they say they're going to do and people are blown away by it. And it's like, it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. That when a pastor says he does what he says he's gonna do, like that that, that blows people away. That, that's ridiculous. That should be the norm, right? Like and, and for believers, that if you say you're gonna do something, you should do it. If you say you're gonna serve in in, in a particular ministry, you should step in and serve in that in that ministry. If you say you're gonna you know, uh, whatever you say you're going to do, say you're going to do it and and be completely trustworthy. I'm reminded of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5. If you'll remember, uh, they sold their house for, let's say, $100,000 for context, uh, even though that's not going to get you anything here. that's neither here nor there. It's definitely not going to get you anything in Palm Beach County. But for here, it's definitely not going to get you anything either. But Let's say $100,000. And they come to the church. They say, hey, we're giving all of our proceeds to the church, this $80,000 check. And I say, is this what you sold your house for? They say, yes. And God strikes them dead. First the husband, then the wife. They, they were in cahoots together, uh, collusion about what, what they, they had sold the property for, and they wanted to lie and keep some of the money for themselves. The issue wasn't the money. The issue was the trustworthiness and the, and the purity of the early church. What Jesus was establishing with his people was that the people of God are to be trustworthy people, that if they say yes, they mean yes. If they say no, they mean no. Wouldn't this be... Um, Really countercultural to much of our our community. Simply, just letting our yes be our yes and our no be our no. Think about that in your own business practices. Uh, how often do people try to get ahead just by being not entirely truthful? But instead, you keep it you, you, you keep it entirely truthful. We have the opportunity to really proclaim the glory of God to a world that doesn't know Him simply. By letting our yes be yes and our no be no. That's countercultural. That's different than uh, many hearts that are, are looking to get ahead, and it doesn't matter who they steamroll. That you would take a loss because you want to honor Christ. That is evangelism. That is a witness to the world. So we're trustworthy. Thirdly and lastly, our words are, are powerful. Um, you know, in Christ's day, they probably understood this more than than maybe we do now, but God is a speaking God. When He created the world into existence, He spoke it into existence, and uh, even today, the, the scriptures say that, that Jesus is is uh, upholding the universe by the word of His power, the power of His word. So words matter. Words matter to God. Words matter to to us. I mean, the, the even the the ability to speak. Um, is what makes humans unique from the rest of creation. Now, I know you, some of you think your dog says mommy when it barks, but uh, that's just a weird thing. It's not really language, okay? Uh, but the ability to communicate to one another is a God-given, uh, made in the image of God uh, character, uh, characteristic. And so the fact that we have words and are able to use words uh, makes us like God. It, 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 it means that we were made in His image, in that in that same way. And so, 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 therefore, we should approach language very carefully. We we should not use our words flippantly. We 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 they're, because they're not meaningless. They're not meaningless. They're very powerful. There are multiple warnings about our tongue and the use of our words. Um, I'm thinking about Matthew 12, 36, where he says, On the day of judgment, we will give an account for every careless word we speak. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, that's that, that's troubling. And, and parents, you, you know this to be true. You know the careless words you speak because your kid comes in and says it, and you say, Hey, where'd you learn that word? And they say, You. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My bad. Uh, dang Tennessee football, you know. Uh, it, it, you know, of these careless words, we will be held accountable for. I think also of uh, Luke 6, 45, where it says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, so the words that we say are who we are. These things matter. A person's integrity is measured by their words. So words matter. They they matter. Uh, You know this to be true in in all of your relationships. Your words matter. Words cause division, fights. What you say can get you in the doghouse really quickly. Words matter. Um, They can also build up. They, they, can, they can encourage. They, they can speak life. Um, w- words matter. What you say matters. And, and again, just the, a person's integrity would be measured by their, their words. And, um, it, you know, they're, they're, it's part of who we are. It's part of our heart. You know, oftentimes we want to separate what we say from who we are. But you can't se- separate those two. What we say is an abundance of who we are. And so our words matter. They're important. Um, and, and, and so we, we, we can't be a people that are throwing our words around, you know, recklessly, flippantly. Um, the, 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 you know, specifically, too, we have a watching world that is watching the things that we say to one another. You know, when, when Jesus says, they'll know you're Christians by the way you love one another, that's in action, but it's also in word. A big part of you coming in here and gathering every Sunday is what you do with your words. Part of the reason we gather is so that you can come in and use the very words that God has given you to lift one another up. You're gonna hear words, preach. You're gonna sing words yourself. And then in the fellowship of the believers, you're gonna meet with one another and speak life and encouragement to one another or potentially uh, to bring accountability to one another. These are the importance of our words. They're not flippant. They're, they're to be used intentionally. They're very important to how we do church and how we do our, our, our lives. And, um, and, I, and I would encourage you, um, you know, because for me personally, uh, y- you know, uh, all of us kind of grow up. When we grow up, we say, hey, I, you know, I love my, w- no matter how much you love your parents or whatever, there are things that y- your parents do that you never want to do. Right. And part of the way that you, you kind of grow as a parent is you you see some of the things they do. You're like Hey, I want to do that. And then you see some of the things they don't do. And it's like I don't want to do that. Right. But then all of a sudden, when you start parenting your own kids, you do something or you say something. And it's like, that was my dad. Right. That was my mom. Like that that came out of me. And I swore I would never do that. Right. Um, you know, the, the, the power of our words on our on our families, on our children are incredible. Dads, I want to encourage you in this because so often we are the strong, silent type, right? Like they shouldn't, like like, uh, what's the saying uh, uh, about the guy who told his wife he loved you, uh, loved his wife on his marriage day and hadn't told her again since. And he said, well, if, if that changes, I'll let you know. I said it once. If that changes, I'll let you know. Um, but for us, we have to be intentional about the words we're speaking so that we can continue to build life into other individuals, especially our children. What you say to them and how you say things to them matter. It's the adage that says, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Uh, I have two girls. God did that on purpose. Um, and uh, because, you know, for my son, you know, he, a poor guy, he was first born. He got the worst version of me. And, uh, uh, and and so, you know, for him, I'm like, yeah, what are you doing? You know, and, 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 and saying, you need to do better. You need to figure this out whatever. My girls are like, hey. And they're like, ooh. <laughs> well, my middle girl, my, my third child, she'll cut you. She doesn't care. Uh, <laughs> she's strong, man. I'm telling you. She's going to be CEO and take care of her daddy. I'm pumped about that. So it's good. Um, but our words matter, you know, and, and, and to our children, they really matter. They, they sink down deeper than you think they do. Um, even your encouragement, you think, hey, what? I don't know. I encourage them. They seem to go over their head. It did not go over their head. Every time you're speaking life into your family, into your kids, or into your neighbor, into your friends, into any relationship, into your pastor, you should be encouraging your pastor. You should be gushing encouragement to your pastor. It should be a regular thing for you. Um, not to fall into the typical culture of cutting down, and that's how we know we love one another, but to actually say, yeah, that might be all fun and games, but I'm going to take a moment to say how much I love this man. And I want you to know that, that he needs that. His wife needs that. And that, listen, we will act like we don't need it, but your words mean the world. Uh, to, to keep fighting the good fight, uh, to, to, to know we're on the right track. And so your words to your pastor are very important, and you should use them not flippantly but intentionally and wisely and to build up, not destroy. And so so our words matter. They're powerful. They, 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 they absolutely matter. So we, LifePoint, as a people, have a choice today that we're going to leave this place, and we are either going to, um, use our words flippantly. We're going to not let our yes be our yes and our no be our no. We're going to not live as though all that we do is in the presence of God, or or, or we are. Or we're going to be a people that live like citizens of heaven. I love uh, what Zeke was talking about. They they've been singing songs to to to, to model what heavenly worship is going to be like. Well. You know, what we do with our words models what heavenly lives are going to live like. We, we should be living the kingdom now. And part of living like the kingdom now is living as trustworthy people. They're letting our yes be our yes and our no be our no. Using our words to speak life and not tear down. Knowing that all we do is not hidden from God. It's in his presence. We see it. Now, yes, we... we if you're in here this morning and you're like, well, David, listen, uh, I'm not so good at that. <laughs> I've I, I failed at that. I've, I've oftentimes said yes and admit no, and I've oftentimes said yes to something and then bailed out at the last minute. Uh, I've often used my words to cut down instead of build up. Uh, I, I've, I've often just flippantly uh, uh, said things and attached God's name to it in vain. I, I, I've, I, I've walked... Uh, 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 differently than the kingdom that Jesus is describing here, I would first of all say to you, yeah, we all have. Uh, there is, we have all sh- walked um, errantly in this area. We, we 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 have all messed up in this area. We've all said something and wish we could get that back in. Right, it's just out and like. Oh no! Like that was out there, and I I don't want it to be out there. You know, we, we've all uh, let uh, our our lives be governed by the looseness of our of our tongue. It was not reined in. That that, it, that and, it, and it was used to destroy instead of build up. Uh, we we have all you know. And, and and let me give a clarifier just so you know. Uh, not just what we say, but what you type matters. So Facebook posts and texts. Uh, well, I didn't say it. No, no, you said it, okay? So, so those things matter. Uh, so, so all that we communicate to the people, of course we failed at this. Of course we have, you know, n- not let our yes be our yes and our no be our no. Of course we have all kind of, kind of do that. But what I want you to understand is that is the beauty of the gospel. The gospel is constantly transforming us further into the image of Christ, that even in our repentance of those things is an act of worship and growing closer to Christ, right? Uh, h- how beautiful of a picture it is for you, husband, to go to your wife or to go to your children and say, Hey, you, I said something, and I, and honestly, uh, that came out, and I wish it didn't come out. And I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. It didn't honor Christ, and it didn't build you up. And, and I apologize for that. That would be then coming back and letting your words Build up where they once destroyed. Um, or, or, you know, um, wives, again, saying to your husband, hey, an encouragement to them uh, to, to build them up, to, 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 to speak life into them, to speak life in your children. Say, hey, I, I know I used my words and I cut you down or I nagged you about this thing for the hundredth time. And I'm sorry. I wasn't using my words to build you up, I, I, was, I was using it to accomplish something for my own good. And so I want to come to you and and apologize to that. This is what the gospel does. It transforms us to be able to see how we're not living according to the kingdom. But it also says, hey, the blood of Jesus covers us. We're forgiven, and and we live what is Romans 8, 1 that says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So while we are, yes, we are people of the kingdom, we're still growing to live like citizens of that kingdom. So, So, yes, we're pushing in, but we're also covered by the blood of Christ. And so we are completely pleasing to the Father. We don't watch our words so that we don't go to hell. We we watch our words so we honor the ones who the one who saved us from hell. We're not we're not you know not saying certain cuss words or letting our yes be our yes and and not lying or not not putting God's name on an oath because we're trying to earn heaven. We're doing that because we're already citizens of heaven. This is what the gospel has done. And and and, and church, what we're about to do, we're about to come. Well, we're, you actually have it in your pocket somewhere. Communion. Um, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And what it is, it's a coming to the table. And when we come to the table, there's no greater place to come into the presence of God to repent of sin and to be, to be reminded of the gospel that saved us from all of our sin, from our past, present, and future sin. The cross has covered him. He had, Christ has paid for it. And on that cross, he says, it is finished. So when we remember the body that was broken for us, when we remember the blood that was shed for us, what we're remembering is that Christ has paid for all the sins that we would incur and, and and has taken upon himself the wrath of God for every loose word that I said, taken the wrath of God for every time my yes didn't mean yes he's taken the wrath of God for everything i've done in the presence of God that didn't honor God, He took it upon himself, and he paid for it, and it, it, it that sin has been removed from me, and now God doesn't just doesn't see me sinner. Loose tongued, uh, flippant word, David. What he sees is he says, "I'm covered by Christ, and and now I, I'm as Colossians says above reproach." Why? Because of the work I've done? No, absolutely not. Only because of the work He has done. So I'm covered in Christ, and and God is pleased with me because He's pleased with His own Son. There's no greater worship of the son than coming to the table and saying, praise you that you have made me righteous because I'm not that on my own. And I'm growing, I'm working towards becoming like a citizen of heaven, but, but I, I know I've sinned in the past. I know I'm working towards right, living righteous as you are righteous and holy as you are holy, but I'm gonna fail in the future. And and praise be to God that my salvation is sure up because of the work of Christ on the cross, not the work of me watching my tongue. This is important for us because, um, you know, I don't know how often you have heard this said about you. Because if you've got family members or you've got friends that know you're a Christian, so often you'll do something or you'll say something and you might hear the retort. I thought Christians did something different than that. I thought a Christian wasn't supposed to say that or do that. Have you heard that? Yeah, and it's like the enemy tries to use it to guilt and shame you, and to to, to let you live in condemnation. But I think a greater response for us would be, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, You know, citizens of heaven don't say things like that, or don't walk in things like that. But but that's not what makes me a citizen of heaven. What makes me a citizen of heaven is the blood of Christ covers me and He's conforming me into His image little bit by little bit, one degree of glory after another. And I'm in process. And I'm growing in that. Uh, and, 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 I'm, and, and I'm thankful for Christ that has saved me and, and 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 has worked and is working his sanctification in me. So there's no greater place than the table to come and, and repent. Uh, to to come and say, hey, we are in this together. Part of the reason we take communion together, we don't do it isolated in our homes by ourselves. The reason why we take it together, because it is a sign that we are the body of Christ and we are constantly growing and following after our head, which is Christ, and and we're becoming more and more like him as we grow into one degree of glory after another. So we take the table together because it's symbolic that we are a body, we are one. And we're, we're, we're constantly being conformed to the image of Christ. So here's what I want to do. I, I, I want to um, pray, and, uh, uh, and, and then the band's going to come up and do a little, uh, a little bit of a song. And then I'm going to come back up, and we're going we're to take together. Now, before I kind of get into the semantics, before I get into that, let me get into the, the details here. What LifePoint practices is open communion, which means you don't have to be a member uh, to take communion here. Um, I would encourage you to be a member. I'm no longer a member here, but I can tell you it's a great church. If you're thinking about church, this is a great church to become a member of. Uh, I would strongly encourage you to do it. I would strongly encourage you to raise your families in this church. I would strongly encourage you to serve in this church, become a part of this body. It's not a perfect church. If you're looking for that, you ain't going to find it. And if you found it, you'd mess it up. Um, So... (laughs) Uh, so this is certainly not a perfect church, uh, but, man, I'm telling you, they love Jesus. And uh, as one who's close to the leadership of this church, the leadership here loves Jesus. And, uh, and that goes a long way. Um, uh, people that want to honor Christ with their lives, with their families, with their leadership, with their church. That's a big deal. So anyway, that's another side sermon. Uh, open communion. You don't have to be a member here to take, take communion here, but you do have to be a believer. Uh, the, the, the practice of the Lord's Supper is for believers. It is a, a testimony of the fact that you have trusted in the sacrifice of Christ to atone for your sins, that the body broken and the blood poured out of Jesus Christ is what you're depending on to get you eternity with God forever and what you're depending upon to, to wash your sin, white as snow. So if you haven't trusted Christ, there's no reason for you to take. Uh, it's just juice and a bad cracker for you um and uh, it it, 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 it and, and and that's a best case scenario worst case scenario you're ju- drinking judgment upon yourself mm-hmm. and so i would caution you not to not to take if you've got children in here i'll tell you this quick story i'm probably going to be over but i only preach here once a year um <laughs> Uh, so we were we had a, our, our family in, in a um, you know, just a family service. I forget what it was, Christmas Eve or something, something like that. I don't think it was Christmas Eve or something else, but we had our entire— and all my kids were in there. Emery the, the future CEO, three-year-old, the queen of the house, she was in there. And I'm going through this whole bit with my church. And I'm talking about the same thing. And and, and Jennifer, my wife, she looks at Emory because Emory says, hey, I want to take the communion. And Jennifer says, no, baby. Well, first, she's tried the positive. She said, absolutely, you can take it when you become a Christian. Like, in a few years, when God saves you, you can, you can take communion. And she goes, no, I want to take communion now. And Jennifer says, no, baby, you're not going to take it now. It's, it's for believers. And, and then Emery looks at Jennifer just square in her face, and she goes, Communion. Like she didn't know what she was talking about. And, uh, and, and so there's this whole bit where uh, we had to say, listen, Emory, this is for believers. And what it afforded us for her and, and all of our kids through the years, it affords us the opportunity to explain to them the gospel. to to tell them what it means to follow Jesus. It's a great opportunity for you. And I don't see a lot of kids in here, but maybe there are one or two that I can't see. I would just encourage you, if they're not yet believers, to withhold it from them. And it's a great opportunity for you to explain to them the gospel. Um, In a minute, again, I'll come back up. We'll we'll, we'll go through the thing together and uh, we'll take together. Uh, So let me pray. And and then the the band's gonna play. And i am just encourage you to, in these few moments, To just focus on the gospel of, you know, you may be overwhelmed with your failures of your tongue and your mouth and what you say. Bring it to the cross. Uh, You may be overwhelmed with, you haven't been a person of high integrity and you really want to repent of that and and walk according to, as a citizen of heaven will walk. This is a great time to meet with God and to, to bring that sin before him. Repent of that sin, which just means agree with God that it is sin, confess it. I agree that that's sin and I don't I don't want to repent, repent from it. I want to run from it. This is a great time for you to do that. Or maybe God wants to encourage you. Maybe there was a very hard situation recently where your yes had to be yes and your no had to be no and you're, you're kind of feeling discouraged about it, but you know it was the right thing to do and you honor Christ in it. Let the Holy Spirit encourage that in you and edify that in you as we come to the table together. Okay? Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful for your grace and your goodness on us. And and Father, I'm I'm thankful that Christ has paid for every false word, every um, hateful word, every flippant word. He has paid for that sin and washed it white as snow. And I praise you for that. For I have many my own self and if we were to collect them all from this room I'm sure uh, it would be a pretty full load but God on the cross of Christ has paid it in full and we praise Jesus for that we praise our king who not just gives us the way to live but he gives us the power in order to do so you've taken our sin from us You've given us the Holy Spirit, and now through that Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit-inspired word, we might walk as you walked, as 1 John tells us. We love you, Jesus. Be exalted in our hearts and lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.